It happens here. And it finishes here. Two men enter. One man. Nearly a two-word review. Just a shit sandwich. That right there is a lot of a episode of chunky glasses the podcast uh andre has the week off this week and so paul is in the basement hello paul hello yes um the releases seem start to trickle out uh in january is more there uh i think this week we saw let's see mogwai which we're gonna like we might circle back on i know you're a big fan of mogwai i do Uh, enjoy the mogwai have you listened to rave tapes yet i haven't um I'm just enjoying their uh, their work as I work my way through the returned. Yeah, yeah, and that we we reviewed that one on the podcast. We did, and uh, rape tapes doesn't quite get there. Yeah, well, but you know, put out two albums in two years, it's kind of hard to hit every time, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, so as these releases roll on, we had that. Uh, there are a few other, I think, more like country big releases. Uh, the big release we're going to talk to talk about this week though is uh, Damien Gerardo. Uh, his new album, uh, Brothers and Sisters, what is this? Brothers and Sisters of the Eternal Sun. Uh, before we get to that, uh, last week, uh, I think Paul, you were saying when you got down here, like the the festival stuff is still sort of driving you crazy. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. I mean, on our lawn. I, I will not belabor it because I know that you guys covered it last week. But you know, even more than before, it seems like uh, there's. Like every festival has got the same format and the same mm-hmm. groups. There's something that I thought was hilarious, and uh, you know, not to you know not to give a plug for a website that definitely doesn't need it from us. But uh, one of the guys on Grantland made a flowchart about how to see Outcast this year, <laughs> <laughs> depending on what your other criteria were, and it's freaking hilarious. <laughs> send me the link. I'll put that in the in the show notes. Because that, that would be hilarious. Yeah, I mean, like we said, there were there were surprises. But people be like, "Oh my god, Outcast is playing this festival." They're playing forty festivals. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's not news. It keeps coming. Uh, Newport sold out, so no surprise. Newport there. sold out in like ten seconds. I have a buddy who actually managed to get tickets, and I was yeah. just applauding him for being able to log on fast enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, Outside of that, uh, this week, uh, I guess Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre's Venture Beats uh, announced sort of their platform, gave a little previews and stuff. This is in uh, closed beta. People have been using it. We have not been using it. Uh, This is adding another streaming service to the fray. Hello, Gus. Um, And right now uh, in America, there is a lot of discussion about how artists are getting paid i guess not just america but uh that's where they guess the battleground is uh you have spotify which came in a little after the fact you have audio you have mog you have uh if you want to go ahead and include pandora uh slacker radio 
uh, iTunes Radio now is, you know, and some of those are passive services. Some of them more like Spotify and Audio are more uh, like direct interaction services. So you can choose your own music and you listen to. Um, with Beats coming out, uh, the big question I have uh, that I'll put to you, Paul, is do we actually need another service? Well, I, I think it depends on what the service ends up actually being, you know, not to be too loose about it, but we don't have a whole lot of details mm-hmm. on what they're actually putting out. And it's going to be what, what the value added is right there. If they think they can just take beats head, like the beats headphone yeah. brand that they've built up, which is a juggernaut right now and say, because you have beats headphones, you should listen to our beat streaming service, but not differentiate it in terms of quality mm-hmm. artists offered uh, functionality, et cetera, from what's already out there then we absolutely don't need it. Yeah. But if they're, you know, if they've thrown a lot of that capital that they've got behind some good programmers to figure out better algorithms, then maybe we do need it. And I think most importantly, if the fact that, you know, if the fact that Beats is a known and very hip brand is able to bring in artists who might have been reticent to uh, to be on streaming services mm-hmm. before or to get unique content or something like that, then they could carve out a, a space that would make them a necessary entity. Yeah, I think that's the weird thing. It, it all comes down to, like, the value add. Um, although, I mean, I will say that people are like, you can have exclusive artists to certain catalogs and blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, if you look at we're all, like, audio users for the most part. And if you look at that catalog, uh, I mean, whatever is in there, you it's not like people just started listening to the music when these appeared. So if there's a hole in that catalog, like for, for years, th- there was no Eagles on there. It made me sad. And now it's there. But I had all my Eagles records in iTunes. I had them on my iPod. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know quite, you know, what are you going to get like the Led Zeppelin catalog? Is that going to be exclusive to one? Um, it starts sort of, you know, splitting up the market to where none of them are really valuable as a service. Well, it'll end up being the the same process that you see with everything else. Whenever there's a whenever there's a new industry like this, mm-hmm. a bunch of people jump in. Some differentiate themselves and survive for a while. Some don't and die quickly. Mm-hmm. And eventually, one or two services buys up everybody else, and you see consolidation. It'll take a few years, yeah. But you always end up with one to three real competitors. Yeah, yeah. And and I think I mean, and the big thing Beats' selling point right now is they're trying to claim that they will offer better payouts to the artists, which that's a whole that's an actual whole other podcast that we talk about how streaming services pay the artists how they don't or you know whatever there's it, it's a very complex argument um that people are pretty passionate about um but if your selling point of that is like inside baseball because that's what that is uh i mean i feel like they're sort of too late to the party um there's nothing uh there are people like you said the brand recognition people are gonna jump and be like oh my god beats this is the thing but but I don't know that, that having Beats integrated help sell HTC phones, for instance. HTC's in a ton of problems, and they That's were true. the first ones to have integrated Beats technology, and it didn't carry over. It's possible that Beats headphones are such a niche market because, let's be honest, the reason people buy Beats headphones is not because mm. they're good headphones, because they're not. They buy them so they can have the Beats logo on the outside. <laughs> so 
if it's something that's in your phone, yeah. that's in your service, then you actually have to provide a quality product because it's not like your your phone is going to suddenly announce like, yeah, and I've got the Beats streaming service subscription platinum or whatever as well. Yeah, and I mean it is uh, – yeah, I mean they're, they're, people are talking about tying it into AT&T, like tech carrier ties, like all these ideas that sort of – Stifle the technology, in in my opinion. Well, they've already got to deal with AT and T. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, well, I I think it is about getting your service onto platforms. Like for example, audio. If audio was on Apple TV, like they would sell all the Apple TVs or Spotify. No, no, I'm I was actually thinking of something. This you talk about inside baseball. I won't go down this road, but the in light of the net neutrality decision this week that their deal with AT&T could be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so and what you're talking about is the ability to sort of uh limit the bandwidth uh, based on your service. Yeah, you or know? provide priority access priority to certain access. services. Priority access. That that was what AT that was AT&T's big announcement at E3. Priority access. Um again, it all ties into a much larger issue, but uh hopefully we'll get to that. Uh, a little later on in the year. Uh, now let's talk about Damien Harada's new album. That is the uh, full on cat party. It is a full on cat party. Uh, that is the uh, first song off the 13th release from Seattle based uh, singer songwriter Damien Gerardo. Uh, his last album, uh, Maricopa, was, I think, one of our site favorites. I, th- I can't remember if you were a huge fan of it. Um, I-, I liked it. I don't remember offhand whether it made my top 10 or not, but if it didn't, it was one of the first cuts out. Yeah, so. it was. I know uh, Andre and I are both really big fans of it. Uh, it is uh, some of the best shows that we've reported on. Uh, he played a show at the Black Cat, which we actually recorded. Uh, could never, like, give out, but if you know me, email me, and I'll send it to you because it's amazing. Um and this is Damien Gerardo has sort of been uh, an indie uh, superhero isn't quite the right word uh, when people mention his name uh, it's with reverence he has uh, made no secret of the fact that he has dealt with uh, mental health issues uh, that works into all his work uh, he comes from a punk hardcore background and then sort of slid into this sort of so- sometimes softer uh, sometimes in this in the case of this album uh, way more psychedelic, which was a surprise, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, the first thing about uh, this latest album, the uh, Brothers and Sisters of the Eternal Sun, uh, is that it is, uh, I guess it's a concept album. Yeah. It's I, hard to tell what the concept is, though. There's there's a lot of obfuscated vocals and stuff, so... I'll be honest, I know what the concept is from reading about the album yeah, more than yeah, listening to yeah, the album. Yeah. So. Which is one of the issues with the album. Yeah. Um, it is so very loosely about religion. Um, if you look at the song titles uh, for 
the album uh, it deals with a, I guess a cult uh, the Silvers and you have a song titled Silver Timothy Silver Donna Silver Malcolm Silver Catherine Silver Joy so there's all these characters uh, built in this narrative uh, it doesn't ever quite come together at least I mean I've been listening to this for over the past two weeks um, so that is definitely like a weakness of the album going forward but I will say as a uh, just as a pure listen uh, this is a weird move for him uh, because of the sort of introduction of, of the heavy psychedelia uh, his collaborator Richard Swift uh, is on this so that song uh, Magic Number um, some other songs like Sons in Our Mind is almost a straight Beatles thing um, how, do, how does that make you feel Paul? Well this uh, hits a sweet spot. I mean, mm-hmm. the the very uh, Floydy nature of some of the songs um, is great. I think the problem is, and you know, this is one of those things that maybe a few more listens or coming back to it a few months from now it might cohere better. Mm-hmm. Is the concept aspect like even if you haven't read anything about it, you know, there's a, you know there's a story from looking at the album cover, looking at the song titles, especially things like Return to Maricopa, where he's trying yeah. to tie it into the into yeah. the previous album. Um, but apparently it's about a guy who goes on a journey to find himself and then never comes back. Yeah. Uh, I've read something about Space Jesus. Yeah. Like, this is... Well, uh... <laughs> a very, there was a very public uh, early review, if you will, uh, that if you go to the uh, press page, uh, written by Josh Tillman, a.k.a. Father John Misty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About uh, Space Jesus. Um, and, like, it it does present the album as fabulous. And, again, though, you're talking about somebody who had inside knowledge of how he's on mm-hmm. the album. He sings on a couple of the tracks. Um, it Yeah, it's it does hit a sweet spot of of general, like, enjoyable psychedelia, I think, for me, too. Uh, one thing in listening to it, uh, this, like the songs don't feel like they're all like there, you know, it it doesn't ever coalesce into a great album. There's, there's really good songs. We're going to hear one in a second, uh, Silver Timothy, but it, it's like, it's a, it's a very hit or miss like operation. Yeah, I I can see what you're, what you're saying right there. Um, and I don't disagree. I, I, I think that the album without being able to hear the lyrics as well as I would like on Mm -hmm. there. um, You can't catch the lyrical thread. And so musically, even though the songs themselves are individually, I think all very good. It's hard to figure out how they all fit together. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them don't stylistically fit. Right. And, and, And when you've got those outliers, then you have to, you have to know why they're there. You know, if, especially if you know, there's a narrative, which is, you know, it's a weakness and a strength. When you're going for a concept, you're going to be judged by how well you execute the concept, not just how well you execute the songs. Right, right. Let's hear uh, Silver Timothy, which I believe is the uh, first single. Climbing 
Oh, yeah, so um, it's uh, Silver Timothy, the first single off that album. Uh, very, uh, I guess, mamas and papas feel. Like late 60s uh, pop psychedelia. Uh, it does a neat trick uh, about where we dropped out. The first song off the first album uh, of Maricopa did, uh, where the vocals become, it, it just shifts the focus from the instrumentation to the vocals, so they're doing some weird things. Um Again, it's an interesting choice. I don't think he's ever gone this blatantly, like, California. Yeah. You know? Um, it definitely, like, you could put this on a compilation with, you know, hits from Laurel Canyon and the pop hits, Mamas and Papas, stuff like that. Uh, Are you saying it's got that sweet Dawes sound to <laughs> it? It does. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fuck no. Um, you know, but, like, Incense and Peppermints. I mean, and I, and I, and I don't... I wonder if, if that's an intentional reference I mean, it has to be. Um, but as strong, like we're saying, as strong as that song is, um, I, I don't think anything really approaches that for the rest of the album. Uh, I think it vacillates between some weird, uh, I guess, droney music and stuff uh, to some sparse like acoustic numbers that, like you were saying, you know, without the context and knowing exactly what's happening in this concept uh, I don't I don't know where it all or what it all adds up to um, it's weird because uh, obviously you wanted to completely like love this album clearly talented his his stuff uh, with Richard Swift is uh, it's the best stuff he's he's done like sonically and everything uh, but it, it's it's a little confusing when you hear this, this sounds like part of, of almost like a better album, if that makes sense. I guess I, I don't want to be as uh, as hard on it as all that, and I'm not saying that you're coming off as, mm-hmm. as not enjoying the album, but, um, you know, I I do like that he's trying something a little bit new, and that yeah. he doesn't, he definitely doesn't fall on his face. Like, he does, I think he does some really good musical work right here. I just wish it was a little bit more cohesive. But for me, it's more like, this could have been, like, really, really good yeah. instead of just being good. But, I mean, I, don't don't you think that if he, uh, you know, he sort of does fall on his face a little, like, by making this announcement, like, this is a big concept. 
and this is a concept album and stuff, and then not actually pulling, not not leaving that up to the listener to discover, but making that the selling point. <laughs> I'm terrified yes, of the cat. Yes. All right. I just got attacked by a cat in Kevin's basement. Uh, <laughs> we'll cut all that out. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, don't you think that like if if well, uh, hold it, on, I I don't think so. I I don't think so. Just because if you're going to put out, it, it's a weird little catch twenty two here. You want the listener to fi- listener to figure it out for themselves, but as we've talked about so many times, we're in such a singles driven culture right now. You almost have to make an announcement to people saying like, look. Listen to this whole thing. I'm yeah. getting at something bigger than just songs right here. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, someone's going to listen to the lead single or listen to the first three tracks on RDO and then skip on to the next thing or throw it into a new music this week mix mm-hmm. and listen to it along with seven other albums chopped up. You have to indicate to the listener, like, listen to this as an album. I'm going for something. Or most people aren't going to listen to it as an album. Yeah, I... I mean, I, I completely agree with that. But if you get through this, like, I don't know, like, you get through this, it, it's not encouragement to, to to take that chance on the whole album. You know, you don't get through this and like, well, he, he tried. I mean, well, that's actually what you get through it and say, yeah, he tried. Um, but because it doesn't come together, the next time you hear about something, I think, that is supposed to be this concept lofty or otherwise you might not really pay it too much attention well i guess i i i take it differently because i i love concept albums Mm -hmm. so when somebody who i actually think makes good music says that they're doing one i'm gonna give that a listen and i'm gonna and i'm gonna do more than just like throw it into that mix because you know you get into Mm -hmm. the into the hot times of year and you've got seven albums coming out every week that you gotta listen to and you might only listen to a few songs and then move on yeah. to the next one to get it, get a feel for it. But if it's like, Hey, this is somebody who I've liked their work before and they're telling me I need to, you know, really pay attention for a minute. I'm more yeah. likely at least to put aside the hour that it takes for that. Instead of just the 15 minutes it takes to decide whether I like the first couple songs. Okay. Well, um, me being one that in this case, actually like in some of the individual songs, one of the ones, uh, I actually really like, I think, this plays into uh, we both are big Floyd fans. Uh, play a little bit of Metallic Cloud. It's a temporary fix. Kiss you, don't. Temporary 
Yeah, so for the, so that like uh, we're saying like that that's it's straight Pink Floyd, like early Pink Floyd. Oh yeah. Uh, um straight like from uh I mean Obscure by Clouds, Dark Side of the Moon and stuff, and it you know, it definitely like touches a nerve where I'm like, Yeah, I'm gonna listen to that. That's uh, my favorite song on the album. Is it your favorite song oh, on yeah. the album? Oh, yeah, yeah, nice. Look, you accurately ate Pink Floyd and then you're gonna probably get the check marks. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, I, I was talking to uh Daria and I were discussing this uh last night and uh and this sort of ties into like Josh Tillman um and contextualizing his assessment of this. Uh, this album would be really good on mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if if psychedelia is not only meant to uh, expand your mind, man, like musically and stuff, but also is better understood or interpreted by your brain uh, under uh, various intoxicants, you know, I think this qualifies as that. I mean, you know, uh, not maybe speaking from experience, but, you know, if I'm just laying on the couch and that... Yeah. Well, how would we know since Father John Misty has all of the drugs? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah. So, the now between this and like mid, like late last year, and um, one other, there's another oh God cat. <laughs> Gus really wants to be on this podcast. Um, I, do, do you feel like, uh, and actually the hospitality album coming up, which is next week, um, do you feel like there's a, a new resurgence coming in this type of music, this very specific psychedelia, not just like all wah pedals and, and echo delay, but... I sure hope so, because yeah. a lot of the previous psychedelic resurgence that we've seen the last couple of years with the Tame Impalas of the world mm-hmm. has been you know, less impressive. I, I have, I've liked mm-hmm. some of it, but it just, it sometimes feels a little bit half-assed. Like we're going to sit down there and jam with our, you know, we, we just dragging out notes as long as we can and, yeah. and throw it on an album. Yeah. Whereas this, I think takes a little bit more, a uh, little bit more thought lyrically and musically. And if people want to go back down this road, I am just fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think the thought being put into it is like, you know, you are uh, certainly understanding your drugs and not just being like, whoa, I'm high. This sounds awesome. Well, and, um, we, and we saw some of that, with I, th- with I think, with Father John Misty's album. Like, uh, yeah. There's, there's a little bit on there. So. There's a lot on there. <laughs> like you said, he, he has all the drugs. Um, so that should be the hashtag. I think he just got back on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> this hashtag has all the drugs. Um, yeah, I, I hope... Uh, and and this is sort of in flying in the face of like I guess what the last year was really big on like synth pop. We talked about it a little on on last week's podcast about uh, music being uh, music history being cumulative, and right now like people are distracted, and it's definitely a frustration I had with last year, um, where people look at stuff and be like, I really like that, you know, I really like say the Thompson Twins and stuff, but. It, unless I completely do something that, that differentiates myself from that, there's no way it could possibly be good. And the fact of the matter is that that's just like not that's not true. And what ends up happening is to differentiate, they do something that just doesn't work, and then nobody is there to tell them it does not work. Yeah, and it becomes accepted as the new thing when really it's just frustrating because you want 
the meat. You want the good stuff. And you got this layer of just bullshit on top of it. Um, so if this is an indication, these albums are an indication of stuff where people are just skimming off that layer and just being satisfied as artists um, to create, uh, not to, to be unafraid to revisit the past and like shamelessly like recreate it with new uh, content, new new. I guess intellectual property. <laughs> That's the wrong term. <laughs> um, That's a loaded term, right uh, there. With, with new, with new ideas, or as new as they can, or personalize them and stuff. I, I think I'm all, I'm all in for that, um, because, like, there's a reason we still listen to these albums twenty years after the fact. It's because they're good. Um, and I guess with that, so Paul, what about this? Will you be listening to this twenty years? Uh, from now, uh, you know, it's hard to tell after listening to something a few times. You know what's going to really stick with you. I think that's. I think that's interesting. Even when you look back on top ten lists from a few years ago and things mm-hmm. like that, the things that crept in off the list that you still listen to, the things that dropped off that you were really into at the time. Um, I won't make any predictions. I would guess just running the numbers that it's unlikely I'll still be listening to this in <laughs> twenty years. <laughs> So would that make it a buy stream or pass? Oh, I said buy it definitely. Did you say buy? Yeah, I you know um, because I loved Maricopa so much, and this might be a little unfair. Like right now, uh, I think I'm gonna say stream it because it didn't all come together. And like you said, maybe once that concept locks in, uh, it might bump up. Uh, if I mean, the, if you are a fan of Damien Gerardo, you probably already bought it. You know, it comes out on today Tuesday but you know when you're gonna be hearing this uh yeah so but but right now it's just too uh disjointed I think it's a good solid addition to his catalog I, I think it is a um <laughs> get in the window Gus come here Gus uh I I think it's I think it's a good Solid uh, addition to his catalog. I, I feel like uh, it, if you think about like Maricopa may have been his best album to date. Um, there's no reason to believe that anybody follows up, you know, their, the pinnacle of their thing with another pinnacle. So you know, maybe this is a transition. Yeah, it's possible, and which is fine. It's a it's a, it's a good transitional album, but it doesn't all uh, come together for me. So yeah, so stream it. So that's our podcast for this week. Uh, it was uh, Damien Gerardo. Uh, there will be some links in the show notes up there. Uh, by Tuesday this week, we talked about this a little last week, we are uh, hiring in air quotes. Uh, so if you have any interest in writing, podcasting, uh, filmmaking, making music, or playing with cats like we're doing right now, um, just look for the link on the site. We'll put it in the show notes, uh, and I'll tell you everything you know about that. Uh, I think that's it. Anything else? Nope. think that about covers it. You going to Phosphorescent next week? I don't know yet. Uh, 
work depending. Sold out, so. No, know. then no. <laughs> All right. Well, Paul, thanks for coming down to the basement, and uh, we will see you next week. See you later. You and I to see the dawn. Side by side, we had love to carry on. And I still hear guitar.